What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and we are here to talk about The Mandalorian streaming on Disney+. Plus. Now, we missed last week's episode, and we're going to talk about it just a tiny bit before getting into the newest release of The Mandalorian, but... Rob, I don't have much to say about last week's episode other than really it was supposed to be a Cara Dune plot line that was going to be in her show, but we all know what happened with her and uh, and her supposed spinoff. And they did mention that some of this probably would cross over into The Mandalorian to tell some of this story. It took up too much of The Mandalorian for my taste, but... I know you had some thoughts. I have one major thought on the episode, but what did you think about it? You know, there's, I don't want to say it was a throwaway, but you know, there's, there's really a lot of story to tell. And we've talked about this in the past. What exactly is it that goes on between the events of return of the Jedi and the force awakens? There's, there's a long period of time that happens. And somehow we have to, we go from, oh my God, the empire is this terrible fascist regime that subjugates people and murders people and is overall pretty bad to all of a sudden, like they just come right back as the first order and they don't even change the armor of the stormtroopers. Like, <laughs> like the star destroyers are all still there. The tie fighters are all still there. Like nothing really changes. Somehow the galaxy just goes back to it and we just kind of go, well, I guess that happened. And on. And honestly, that's a lot of what you can say about the sequel trilogy. Well, that just kind of happened, I suppose. Like, whatever, we just go with it. There's not a lot of explanation of it. So I think there's a lot of stories to tell in this period of time. And I want Disney to tell these stories. I don't know if I want them to tell these stories through the lens of the Mandalorian. I want the Mandalorian to be this cool space Western about Din and Grogu and their adventures and him trying to, you know, shove snacks in his mouth and play with a little silver ball and make things float. Like that's what I want this show to be with great music and great blaster fights and and cool shootouts and stuff like that. Like that's what I want. I don't necessarily know that I want them to tell that story through here. I I thought it was, I thought it was a cool story. It was kind of a, a, almost like a takeout episode. I, I enjoyed it, but it was like, Outside of that, I mean, Bo's being a little sketchy at the beginning here. She's kind of withholding mm-hmm. some information and it's unclear what her motives are. I, I don't know that, like, I, I think she regards Din as an ally, but I think she also regards him as a rival. So it's it's kind of, that's kind of an interesting relationship. Uh, the opening aerial battle is really cool. And it's, it's, yeah. What I like in Star Wars is when they show us cool designs of a ship or a weapon or something like that, you know, when they don't just design something cool, they actually show you the point of that design in both ship. You finally get to see sort of how that dual wing design actually is functional in combat. That was cool. I'm glad we finally got to see that outside of that. Like, uh, you know, we kind of got a little bit of a throwback to, it was a trap at the end when he's, when he's surrounded by the, the squid people or the, the calamari people, you know, and he's <laughs> right. I'm like, Oh, well, I, I kind of remember where that that's from. But, you know, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts outside of that. I, the only other thing, and and I guess maybe this is the longest, you know, I guess idea that I have coming out of this episode. And, and I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are. The whole can't remove your helmet thing is really starting to get kind of dumb to me. And I'm kind of like over it. I, I kind of like I think it's lost its charm. I think it's lost some of the uniqueness 
in this world. Like just eating as a coven is pretty much impossible. And that's like, that's how you, you build, like you build bonds and fellowship over breaking bread and you can't even do that together. Like, are you just supposed to drink smoothies through a straw for every meal? Like it would be super uncomfortable to sleep in that. And what happens when you need to repair it? How are you supposed to repair it? Like Mandalorians don't just sit around with their feet up watching bonbons, watching soap operas or whatever the galaxy's equivalent of soap operas are. Like they go into combat. They're, they're bounty hunters. They go do stuff. They go like take down crate dragons. <laughs> like you're going to tell me their helmets never need repaired. What are they supposed to do? Like, I don't know. There's just so many questions that I have around it that I'm, I'm kind of like starting to get over the whole can't take your helmet off bit. I, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. Yeah. I mean, if you tell me I'm not supposed to drink Pepsi, I, I kind of want to drink Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, to me, it's kind of like what the helmet, like not being able to remove the helmet was an interesting facet of the Cree. Well, the creed, but when they're talking about it every single episode now and throwing it in your face, it's like, all right, we get it. You're not supposed to remove the helmet. Like I, I don't, need a reminder every Wednesday. Yeah. I, I just, it's weird. Now for me with this episode, the biggest thing that came out of this episode is I really do think that, well, the, the convert episode is, I totally believe that's directly related to the creation of Snoke. And that's how we get, that's, the you know how things start to go in that direction i think somewhere along the line palpatine gets a hold of this guy or he's already been you know he already cloned palpatine because he's you know he says you can make somebody out of dna that's that's literally snoke so i, I do believe that this episode kind of peels back a layer as to how Snoke was created and what we see in the rise of Skywalker. Uh, I think it's all directly related to this research, but again, I don't know that I need to see that here or that. I want to see that here. It's certainly interesting yeah. and you could do a show fine, but yeah, I, I want Mando to be Mando. So I, that's really just my thoughts on that episode. It, it came, it went. Um, I understand the decision to, you know, cancel Cara Dune's show. Well, I mean, understand it, whatever you want to say. I understand that that's oh, yeah, what happened. They, they canceled Gina. Yeah, <laughs> they like, definitely I, canceled her. <laughs> like, I understand that's what happened, but I still think you could make that show without her. So I'm hoping that we don't get, because my concern is we still need a payoff to that episode and why the betrayal, which I don't want taking up another episode of this series. Kind of like how the book of Boba Fett was supposed to be this cool Boba Fett show. And it turned into Mandalorian season 2.5 where there yeah. was two, at least two episodes that did not have Boba Fett in it at all. And he's, he's the name on the marquee and he yeah. wasn't even in the show. And, and that's fine. Cause I'm not going to complain about getting more Mando and Grogu. Like I'll never complain about that, but it, it did strike me as odd. And I, I kind of don't want to see that happen here. Just quick shout out that Katie O'Brien as the character of, Elia Kane or Elia Kane. I'm sorry. I don't remember how to pronounce her name. It was two weeks ago when I watched this. She's fantastic, by the way. Like yeah. I, I was never sure what angle she was playing 
because it seemed like she was legit all on board with the operation paperclip version of, of the, of what they do in the galaxy where they're, you know, pulling the former empire, you know, basically war criminals and rehabilitating them into, into something useful for the Republic. It seemed like she was 100% on board with that, but I never trusted her, but mm-hmm. I was like, am I, do I just not trust her? Because that's what movies and TV have conditioned me to do. Cause I, I actually feel like I should trust her it seemed like she was legit. And then she, you know, had her heel turn. I, I thought she was fantastic. And I, I hope we, I, I do want to see more of her and I want to see more of where this goes, but I'm with you. I don't necessarily need it in the Mandalorian, but that's probably how we're going to get it. Yeah. I think it did do a good job of setting up kind of seeing how the Republic fails. I, I do think there's a story to be told there and you can start to see, it's not really to me, they showed a good job of it's not really rehabilitation. They're not actually like listening to these people. So I can kind of see where things would go south. But again, I I could totally have that as a separate show because I think that would be a really good story about these people. They're they're trying to rehabilitate, but. You know it's not really working. And in some ways to these people, they're probably just as bad as the empire because really what do these people have? They have to go to work. They have to go home. They have to talk to this droid. They're kind of in the same servitude to the Republic as they were to the empire. And I I think that's a fascinating dynamic. Yeah. And if you think about the doctor, he feels like his skills are being underutilized. He's not Mm -hmm. doing work he's passionate about. He's going to find purpose in life. He's going to find an outlet for his passions and his desires and what he feels is the right thing to do. I mean, I never really thought he was kind of an evil guy. I sort of thought he was just like a lot of other very creative, intelligent, talented people who get swept up into authoritarian regimes that force them to do awful things against their own will. And they don't have the the strength to just kind of stand up and, and say, no, I'm not doing this. You'll have to kill me instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, no judgment there, by the way, because it happens a lot throughout our history as a, uh, on this planet. So, but I never really believed he was a bad guy. He was just a bad guy, you know, right. to kind of pull a line from Wreck-It Ralph. I, so I, I fully believed he wants to be rehabilitated. He wants to, integrate himself back into Republic life and he's trying to help however he can and use his skills. And he's clearly just, you know, filing TPS reports and things like that and and not being utilized fully. And, and frankly, they don't know that they can trust him yet. They don't know. Maybe they don't know what he's fully capable of. It seems like he presents a good case of what he's capable of, but you know, when you don't give people purpose, when you don't give them fulfillment, they're going to look for it and we see what happens. Yeah. And I think it's a good narrative of, you know, his belief that if you're not going to take chances, you're not going to have any advancements or breakthroughs. And it certainly seemed, you know, the Republic kind of wants to stay the course because, you know, just like the Jedi, they're in the wrong hands and anger and everything like this. And it's just like, okay, well. Sure, let's just stay stagnant, so to speak. But, you know, realistically, that's kind of all we wanted to do was give a quick little recap of of what we thought. I, I think there's much more to this this newest episode called The Foundling. We get Grogu's backstory about how he was rescued during Order 66. 
I, I have thoughts about that. Not all of them are great. But I also think we get some really great character development with Bo-Katan. And I, I thought this was a return to form, so to speak for the Mandalorian. I certainly thought this episode was very well done. I'm actually really impressed with the fact that this was directed by Carl Weathers. It's kind of cool to see these kind of things actually, and see, you know, who directs these episodes. Cause you know, you think of Carl Weathers, what's the first thing you probably think of predator happy Gilmore for me or yeah. Happy Gilmore predator. You know, you, you think you, you think of that, you know, fake hand and happy Gilmore. You think about that handshake muscle scene in the predator. <laughs> <laughs> That's become but, a great meme. Right. But you know, I thought this episode was very well directed. So it's cool to see these, you know, these people that you might not think of in the director's chair, like a Bryce Dallas Howard and stuff like that. Who's done episodes of the Mandalorian. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I thought shout out to him. I thought he did a good job with this episode in directing. Yeah. And I love that when we get some of these uh, different voices come through Bryce Dallas Howard's episodes largely have been fantastic. Every single one. Like I, I really I feel have like we've, I feel like we've overwhelmingly praised her in, in previous uh, se- um, you know, seasons of the show. Um, yeah. I, I really feel like after what we had kind of talked about, I wouldn't say that we are we calling last week's episode kind of a letdown. I don't, I mean, I don't feel like it was a letdown, but I don't feel like it satiated me. So it's kind of in that weird middle ground where I don't know how to classify it. But this yeah. was really a, a return to form, like you said. I, I, you know, is this a perfect episode? No, but I, I felt like when I turned this off that I was officially back into this series. I felt mm-hmm. like I, it's not that I was out of this series. It's not like I was not interested in this series, but it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, Wednesdays tend to be very busy in my house. As like I've talked about in the past, I've got three kids and, and all three of them are very active little people. And Wednesdays are actually one of the busiest days of the week in my house. So, you know, sometimes I watch this on Wednesdays and sometimes it's, it's not till later. And, you know, this week we had uh, John wick four that we went and saw on Thursday night. So, um, I literally watched this about an hour, uh, before we went on air was when I finally got around to it. Oh, wow. And yeah. And it's just been a busy weekend. Um, and I, and I kind of finished this up and went, no, I'm like, this is a Wednesday show again for me. This is a, this is a day of release show again for me. This is back to what we want the Mandalorian to be. So, uh, you know, we get more adventure, we get more cool action moments, uh, all the things that we've come to love about the Mandalorian. We get some great Grogu moments, like all the stuff that we want out of the Mandalorian, we get back. Yeah, I I, I think so. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that, again, made this a, a, an interesting episode was the character development. It was interesting to see mando push grogu a little bit you know the wanting him to participate in the trials so to speak which it's actually been i don't know if you've been reading up on this and this is something i found very interesting and i was like god damn like i I wish there was some way to tell this in the show but have you read those reports that uh, they say it's been confirmed by kevin feige himself but like Grogu was with supposedly with like Luke for like over a year. You know, I, I never really saw, I, 
I never read anything that I can remember confirming it, but it did seem like they didn't specify in TV time. Like we've not seen it on screen that it specified how long he was there. Right. But it does seem like Grogu is growing and I don't mean necessarily in height, but I, I feel like he's being a lot more vocal this season than he has in past seasons. He's, he's, you know, showing a lot more emotion. Uh, he's, he's emoting a lot more, you know, he's just, he's just kind of making more noise. Right. Uh, as though he's a toddler getting ready to speak. You know, we're, I, I'm going to just predict that at some point, I th- I even think it'll happen this season. Uh, he will actually say words that, that you can understand beyond just his little coups and things like that. I, I think you'll see it probably this season, but man, what Din is a terrible foster dad. Like, can you imagine putting <laughs> when your when your boys were toddlers, would you have given them a paintball gun and told them to go against a kid three times their size? Cause I, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it was interesting. Like I said, it was, it was interesting to see, him kind of push him and Grogu really not wanting to kind of do that. I even liked Bo kind of, I, I like the relationship Bo Katan and, and Grogu have started to develop. Yeah. Where she was like, don't worry. My dad was the same way again. Like, I think that's part of what makes this episode so fascinating to me. And, and is a step back, so to speak, because last week's episode was the lowest rated episode that they've ever had for this show. So I I do feel like it was the character development that we were used to in season one and some of that in season two that really added to this episode for me. And and part of that is that Bo-Katan Groger relationship that's building. That's I'm wondering if that's going to play into her and Din's relationship, so to speak. Yeah, is she kind of becoming his his stepmom? Like, is that is that kind of where this is going? Like, it's it seems like she's trying to, you know, build trust with him. It seems like she does genuinely care about Grogu, and is still, you know, she's a Mandalorian, so she has to be badass at all times. Like, you can never like just chill. Like, you as a Mandalorian, you just have to be like hardcore and and on full send at all times, unless, you know, you're just staring out the window and and brooding a little bit, I guess. I think, I think that's the only time you're allowed to not just be, be badass at all times. But yeah, it's, that's a very compelling, I guess, side plot of this, of this season so far that I'm very interested to see where it goes. And, and like you just said, how does that impact what's going to, there, there's, there's kind of a, a friendship rivalry that's happening between Bo and Din that at some point there's going to be a throwdown for the dark saber. At some right. point he is going to want a challenge for it and he wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't want to be Mandalore. He's, he has no interest in that. Like he just wants to be a Mandalorian. He wants to do what's right. He wants to honor his creed. He wants to do what he thinks is, is what his people expect of him. And he has no interest in politics, has no interest in ruling, has no interest in doing anything else. He's He's been thrust into a variety of situations and is trying to make the best of it. It'll be interesting to see how that continues to develop. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that was. And I also think what's interesting to me is Bo's... I feel like there is confliction in her now as she's starting to get 
more acquainted with the other Mandalorians. Absolutely. And their way of life. And again, I I think that's a really interesting dynamic. And even like the hesitancy that she shows later in the episode where she's telling the armor, like, would it be okay if I had both? And she's like, of you know, you can, of course you can. I just, I really like it. I, I like what looks like maybe a conflicting resolve within her to where she wants to go because she certainly had a very strong opinion about the creed and not removing your helmet yet here she is starting to starting to be a part of this group and protect them and again maybe it's the ends justify the means but she's certainly, you know, by going and, you know, helping be part of the rescue team when one of, you know, the children gets captured. I did think that was a little. I think that was maybe some of the worst effects that we've seen in this show was the creatures. I thought the the mother one was very well done. I thought the babies looked a little ridiculous. But. I, I think in terms of, you know, the the effects that they use, I, I thought that was maybe some of the worst looking ones we've seen in this show through all three seasons. There was there was some moments that the visual effects were not up to what we've seen. But I want to kind of go back to what you were saying with Bo. I, I think she's probably my most interesting character so far this season out of everybody. Which is really funny to... because you weren't on board with her in the beginning. No, like, and it's kind of flipped on its head very quickly. Yes, and it's almost exclusively in this episode where mm-hmm. all of that happens. Because when she's talking to the armorer, she's asking legitimate permission to do this. And it matters to her because if she's told no, she'll say, then go ahead and make them a matched set for me of, of what I already have. It's it, it, You start to wonder that conflict within her of, of what does she feel is important and important where are her values? Where, where is her loyalty? Because when we first meet her in this season, and obviously I know she's been introduced in star Wars canon prior to the Mandalorian. But when we first meet her in season two, she would never ask permission from a weird cult leader to do something like that's not, that's Mm -hmm. not what she would have done. So it's, it's really interesting to see kind of where she's at at this point. Yeah. I mean, look at her, you know, look at her interaction that she had with Boba Fett and the, you know, just the, the tension that was there when the two of them, you know, meet and things like that. So yeah, I I think it's, it's rather interesting how quickly it's kind of turned to like, all right, well, what the hell does she do? She just sits around on that chair and mopes all day and has a droid bring her food. Like not really interesting. And then it's like, Oh, wait, she can't do that anymore because they blowed that up. Right. You know, but, you know, then you go to, well, wait a minute. She might be the most interesting thing in this show and not in a bad way. Because I think it it brings, you know, Din and also I think it's bringing Grogu along at the same time where it's, you know, this this character who's not the title character. Is is elevating the show, which I like a lot. So, yeah, and I I like that. I think we spent some time in this episode seeing Grogu recalling his past more than we've seen before. Uh-huh. 
And I think that was some of the most interesting stuff because again, there's still, and obviously the clone wars tells a lot of that story. Um, and does get into the, you know, the aftermath of order 66, but it's, it's great to see that from Grogu's perspective, because we all had questions about that. And I think by now, just about everybody's aware that the, the Jedi that kind of saves him is played by Ahmed best, who has already been in star Wars as the most hated character in all of fiction, uh, Jar Jar Binks. He, he was the voice of Jar Jar. I think by now everybody's kind of aware of that. And I gotta say, I'm so happy to see this actor get a chance to, in the eyes of star Wars fans kind of be redeemed uh, a little bit. Matt, if we've said it once, we've said it a million times, nobody hates star Wars, like people who love star Wars. And, <laughs> Jar Jar is universally hated. I, I think there's few characters you can think of in, in video games, literature, movies, TV, with the level of just venom dripping from people's voice when they say the name Jar Jar Binks. Maybe there's, maybe young Anakin. It, it, maybe. It, from the same movie. It's, it's kind of a toss-up. This is pod racing. Because both of those actors face some... Just uh, unnecessary doesn't even feel like it's putting it like oh, it feels yeah, like that's, that's putting it, it it's undershooting it. I'm not sure what phrase to use, but you know certainly both actors faced a lot. But I'll I'll, I'll let you continue because I have some thoughts on that after you're you know you're done there. In in general, I'm just glad to see him back and, and you know i think to some extent they did this with hayden christensen and anakin because the prequel trilogy is not largely as a whole thought of in high regard revenge of the sith is spoken of highly that's a great entry the previous two you know attack of the clones is garbage it's the worst it's the worst movie of the whole star wars canon yeah what i found is people have lightened up on the phantom menace they still like Revenge of the Sith. I mean, we certainly talked about that in the anniversary episode where, you know, it's it's interesting to see after all this time, the prequels, you know, regardless of what maybe you or I think, you know, that age generation, you know, starting to kind of become adults more and, and look, you know, look at that in, in a different light. Uh, I certainly still have not formulated any more of a, a strong opinion on it in terms of whether or not I like those movies, but yeah, it, it's, it's been interesting to see the prequels, but I, I still think no matter what you see attack of the clones. still being like, yeah, right. Garbage. Well, we can't win them all. Like, <laughs> and, and Hayden Christensen was not good in those movies. No, but you and I are of the same opinion that it's not really his fault. He was given crap dialogue to work with and crap direction and crap visual effects to work with. So you, you can only do so much. And, yeah. and I think largely when it was announced that he was absolutely coming back for the Obi-Wan show, it was overwhelmingly celebrated mm -hmm. and in a cool way. So for as awful as star Wars fans can be at times, um, I was happy to see the overall reaction to him coming back and the opportunity for Ahmed Best to return to Star Wars and and hopefully have better feelings about the galaxy far, far away that has meant so much to so many people, you know, the two of us absolutely included in that. You know, I guess I, I kind of feel awful 
knowing that there's people who have just bad feelings about star Wars because of their, the way that fans have reacted to them. So, you know, certainly people like Ahmed best to some extent, Hayden Christensen, I am not remembering the actor's name who played Anakin in episode one, but you know, I don't, I'm not sure he actually appeared in much. I think he retired from acting after that altogether. Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Jake Lloyd. I, I don't know that he, I don't think he acted professionally after that. You know, Matt, you and I have talked about this. You've talked about it extensively. Um, the actress from the last Jedi that uh, helps Finn get off, um, you know, when they go to the casino mission, I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember her character's name is at the moment, but you know, she'd faced a lot of backlash that was just awful, just mm-hmm. reprehensible. So it's, it's, it's disappointing when something that I love so much, you know, just makes people not able to even think about it with, with, in a, in a good light, uh, just, it's frustrates me. So I'm, I'm glad to see him back. And I, and I hope that fans will uh, accept him and, uh, and like that character. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Rose who was played by Kelly yes, Marie Tran. And it's, it's just weird to me because yeah, I don't like Jar Jar Binks. I didn't like young Anakin. I certainly didn't like Rose's character. I thought, you know, the ending of, you know, her stopping Poe for, or sorry, Finn from crashing and sacrificing himself. I thought it kind of went against the entire arc that was going on in that movie. Yep. But again, I, I, I never sit there and personally blame these people. You know, certainly again, like we talked about, they were not given good material. I don't think they were given good material to work with. I don't think they were written particularly strong. I don't think they had certainly strong things to do. You know, certainly it's it's hard to act in a moat when most of the time maybe you're looking at a tennis ball. You know, there there's nothing in front of you to to go off of. And I'm, you know, I'm not an actor. So who is it for me to say you're terrible at your craft? Like I'm not getting any roles to to be in movies or anything like that. You know, it's also the same reason why I don't do my oil changes. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> like, so like, yeah, there's a guy at Valvoline that does that for me. Why do yeah, I even so, know that? Like, I just, I, I do, I, I do not understand the, you know, the reason to sit there and actually like attack these people personally I've, I've never understood that and it's it's never acceptable acceptable especially to the degree you know that some of these people have had it i mean certainly you know we were just talking and you know this guy contemplated suicide which is yeah. is 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 awful you know from people who he's probably never seen in his lifetime like I just I can't even imagine getting that much hate from people that you don't know and you, you know, have a family at home, a yeah, like, you know, brothers, sisters, mother, father, like, you know, all of these other people around you that love you. And like the outside noise is so great that you contemplate something like that. It, it's just it's horrible to think of and shame on those people for you know, for doing that, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about, you know, I, I kind of feel like he was one of the first victims of cyberbullying. 
mm-hmm. because you think about when the prequel trilogy released, it was really as the internet was starting to really grow and it became unbelievably easy to be a keyboard warrior and hide right. behind. You don't have to say it to somebody's face. I mean, no. there's plenty of things that were said to him that they would never say to his face because if they met him in person, he's probably a very charming individual. I've not, I mean, I've only seen a few interviews with him, but overall, like he seems like a perfectly likable it's, dude. It's pieces of crap who probably would say something on the internet, see him in the airport and ask him to sign a picture of the Phantom Menace poster to try and sell it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, Hey, can I get a selfie? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, if you look up right. their Twitter feed, it's all just, you know, venom for that particular right. individual. Um, those those are the worst of the worst of humanity is, is people who do that. But, you know, I kind of wonder if he was kind of an early victim of what we would eventually call cyberbullying. I don't know that we had that name for it back then, but man, is it easy to just fire something off from the anonymity of your computer and your keyboard where you never have to see that person? I mean, it's, it's so easy to say something about somebody digitally right? that you would never say to their face or never say to them over the phone where they actually, you're going to witness their reaction. And that's pretty awful. And if you're the kind of person who does that, you're a coward. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, this is where I'm I'm going to ask you. It, it, it It's great that he gets sort of a redemption and hopefully I mean, he certainly was in Star Wars before this, not only as Jar Jar Binks, but he actually was in a show that's streaming on Disney Plus. So here's my thing, though. We we did a 2022 review at Matt Goes to the Movies and talked about taking in entertainment, thinking about things differently and everything else in between. And here's my, here's my dilemma. We just talked about certainly all of the backlash and everything is completely uncalled for. And, and one of my, what resolutions, a new year's resolution was to take in media differently and maybe get out of my own head and uh, see things differently. But part of me can't help but feel like it was a little bit underwhelming that it was kind of a no-name Jedi, so to speak. Not a no-name, so to, like, completely. But again, this is this is where I need to get out of my own head and stop thinking about what I want things to be sometimes. And just take them for what they are. Now, I certainly, I love the scene. I thought it was great. I really did like him. But part of me initially was like, okay. Because I had all that hype behind the trailer and like seeing that scene with like, you know, the the Jedi being behind the door and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? And I I certainly, again, it's not taking down anything from the episode for me. But in the initial moment, I couldn't help but feel just kind of like a little. uh, okay, like. Sure, that's what we got. So you if I'm understanding what you're saying, you were hoping to see somebody that rescued Grogu was responsible for his escape to safety. That was a character we'd already seen either on in a film, in a TV show, maybe in a game, maybe in a comic series that tied into that period of time. 
Well, that's the thing is he is tied into that period of time. But uh, in, just, in a, like a different way, like a, a bigger name. Jedi. Yes. And again, I've certainly, you know, lightened on that feeling. Cause at first I was like, geez, whatever. Like, all right. Like, sure. But then as we went along again, I I'd like, as we went along and I had time to think about the episode as a whole before we did this, you know, my thoughts did start to go, okay, like think about what you said during the 2022 review and just take the scene as what it is, take the moment as what it is. And it did help me appreciate it more. So I'm I'm trying to do exactly what I said I was going to do. And that's taken media in kind of a different light and not, kind of psych myself up about what I want something to be and just go in and let it be what it is. Well, if you think about the period of time that we're talking about, you know, right at the height of order 66, as it's, as it's happening, I mean, it's, it is going on right then and there, you know, you think about we, from what, just what we were presented with in revenge of the Sith, a lot of the Jedi that we had seen in the first three episodes have already been taken out by that That's, point. There's not, there's not a lot of them. And I, and I guess what I would say is for your casual to like medium core star Wars fan, I'm not talking about the hardcore star Wars fan. That's read every graphic novel, every tie in novel has seen every episode of every series that knows them, you know, is, is practically memorized the Wikipedia. They are aware of a lot more, but your casual fan wouldn't even know that this guy was already in star Wars lore. And I don't know that there's really that many Jedi that they could pull from that. Anybody would recognize because they're pretty much all dead at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's actually, a, you know, I, I do think that's a really good point. And that was part of the thing that I thought about too, was like, all right, well, yeah, like who else would it be really? Cause everybody else is, is in the shit right, right now or, oh, wiped, yeah. or wiped out like, yeah. Or have already gone into hiding. Right. I mean, so I, I had predicted uh, inaccurately that we would get a Cal Kestis, some kind of crossover between fallen order, the game and the Obi-Wan series. And, and I didn't get it there, but I'm not convinced that, the characters from Fallen Order and the, and the next uh, series, um, that's the, the next game's coming out very soon, and I'm very excited about it. It should be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not convinced that there that those characters won't cross over into Disney Plus shows in some way. Yeah, no, I mean certainly, I I would love to see that crossover from Fallen Order you know, come into play here again. It just the way that it's lining up in Obi-Wan and the, the events that are taking place and the timelines that we're in, it just, it feels like this would happen. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I really did like the scene. I, I like the fact that we got to see where Grogu was. It almost makes me wonder, like, is there anything where you can see that little hovering, uh, like, sh- like, the the hover chair that he's in anywhere in like revenge of the Sith at all. <laughs> you know what I like? <laughs> well, I mean, if George Lucas was still in charge of anything, he'd retroactively go back and add him in because that's, that's what he likes to do with his previous work for some reason. Right. Yeah. We'd have special editions and just uh, everything <sighs> edited in. Honcho first. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
but I, but just real quick on Grogu while we're still on that subject, it, he does seem to be. This is the first time we've seen him actually really dealing with the trauma of those events mm-hmm. and everything else that's kind of happened to him since then. For the most part, he just seems like he's a fun loving kid uh, who who shows care and concern for for din at times but for the most part he just seems like a toddler who's just like you know he's kind of like a green version of hasbula really just kind of running around <laughs> like making hijinks and mischief you know and uh, but but this is the first time we've seen kind of another side and and i thought that was really interesting to kind of go back and, and see that that he uh he does seem like there's there's some real trauma there there's he was really actually triggered at that moment when when she's hammering on stuff and he's got the lights and the and all of that intensity going on yeah and i you know i also think too that it kind of you know much like bo katan i think this is you know i think not only did it show the trauma but when she's giving him you know the 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 armor emblem i think there's confliction too like just like how he didn't really want to partake in that. I I think there's some interesting dynamic there. Like I stated earlier of, he really doesn't want to get into this. Like he kind of just wants to be with his dad and, and just be on adventures and hug little creatures and eat frogs. Like, (laughs) and you know, and sip on soup and stuff. So, Again, I'm 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 hoping we get to see kind of more of that and what, you know, where because if Grogu was rescued, how does he get to the place that he is when Din picks him up in the first season? Like, how do we go from him being rescued by the Jedi to he's captive again? Like, I, I think that's very interesting to see hopefully some more of what happened to him. And what does he do? Where is he the entire original trilogy? Mm-hmm. Like where does he spend that time? Uh, I I kind of predict that this season we will get a lot more backstory on Grogu. I think we'll continue to see flashbacks of that time. It might skip five and ten years ahead at a time. Right. Uh, I want to say, what is there about? Probably, you know, Luke and Leia are just about to be born at this point before their mom dies of sadness god that's so awful i just i can't even talk about that without just going oh god that's awful worst so worst character span over three movies i I, died of a broken heart i don't care what you say about poe i don't care what you say about finn say whatever you want about the sequel trilogy or anything else that happens the fact of han now shooting for anything that has been done in star Wars, I still think the portrayal of Padme from phantom menace to revenge of the Sith is, is a tragedy. It's the worst thing they did with a character. Yeah. They turned her into the typical, a woman should be barefoot and pregnant as opposed to this badass warrior queen that she was that cared about people that was willing to put herself first for the good of everybody that she was supposed to represent. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't want to get off on a tangent because I'll because <laughs> we could we could yeah. very easily yeah God I hate it how dare yeah, they terrible. do that so you so you think from the moment she dies of sadness to the time we see Luke in a New Hope he's like seventeen at that point I think you know is kind of how they present it so forty five but yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's 
there's a lot of time that, that takes place between that. So where is Grogu during all of this? Who, who keeps him safe? What, Cause it, it's, it's not going to be Jedi. That, no, that it are, can't be. No, because he hasn't progressed in his Jedi skills any. So it's, it's someone else. It's somebody else. It's some way else. And it doesn't feel like at this point that he's particularly attached. So it's almost mm-hmm. like, was he bouncing around an orphanage? You know, like, right. is that, is that kind of what it was? So I, I'm excited to see what they, what they present to us. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I'm hoping we get it. You know, with, with filling in, you know, these backstories, my, my hope is because they've done a wonderful job with the comic book series. I really hope to God we get a fill in for Darth Vader. Mm. I hope we get a Darth Vader show because what they have done with that Darth Vader series in the comics showing him finding out that, you know, in between a new hope and empire strikes back that Luke is his son running into it's kind of a spoiler. If nobody's ever read the comics, he real like he eventually meets uh Padme's handmaiden and has like PTSD from seeing her God, I would love to see a star Wars show that, ex- that explores that. I mean, is it really that far fetched with Hayden Christensen already having reprised the role once? If right. they announced tomorrow that he had signed on to do two seasons of a Darth Vader show that explores that period of time that basically picks up at the end of no, you know, extended that on for a little bit longer, of course, because that's it's the longest no in the history of cinema. And and maybe finishes right before Empire Strikes Back or, or maybe finishes after he tells Luke yeah. that he is his father. I, I'd watch the heck out of that. And who knows, maybe we'll get something because he, you know, it, it has been talked about that he appears in the Ahsoka series. You know, maybe we get some sort of announcement, but I swear if they announce a Darth Vader show on Disney Plus, I can't imagine that won't be the most watched premiere episode that they have. Well, easily the most hyped show you could think of. I mean, who's a bigger who's a bigger character in in pop culture than Darth Vader? I mean, With he's the least amount of screen time in the first movie. I, I mean, he appeared in New Hope for I believe it was what, like eleven minutes and thirty-five seconds or something yeah. like that, and became in that short time. And again, this is back before you could do a hundred and ten different things and vi- you know yeah, there were comic books and video games, but it's not the medium is not like it is today. And yeah. that eleven minutes turned him into a pop culture icon he's easily the most popular character and what is easily the most popular piece of intellectual property anywhere on the planet earth in existence yeah that's ever existed ever yeah or probably ever will yeah i mean you can and we certainly have you can say whatever you want about the mcu but i still think to this day star wars is still the most recognized intellectual property in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. Darth Vader is bigger than Spider-Man, Superman, Batman all rolled into one. Yeah. So, but hope, you know, that will be a whole nother show if that series comes out. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so now 
kind of maybe wrapping this up, but you know, I, I want to get back to Bo-Katan here where I, I love the fact of, you know, the, the mythosaur coming into play, the mythology behind him, any thoughts on how that's going to tie in, you know, is she going to, I mean, God, is she going to control that thing in battle? You know, does it come to the aid of the Mandalorians? And, you know, does that maybe where, you know, does maybe she have an epiphany? Maybe at the end of this, we're we're thinking about this all wrong. At the end of this, maybe she doesn't want, want the Darksaber. Maybe she doesn't want to rule Mandalore anymore. Maybe she just wants to be a part of Mandalore. You know, it's it the fact that she's seen it and nobody else has and nobody really believes her. What's really funny to me, and I, I noticed this at the end of the episode, the big phrase, this is the way, has kind of become interchangeable with like 30 other expressions, totally replacing in Mandalorian culture, just the expressions, thank you, you're welcome, hello, cool story, bro, have a nice day, see you later, and even, you're full of shit. You can replace yeah. <laughs> all of those expressions with, this is the way. The, like, this oh, I saw a Mythosaur, sure you did. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way could be a middle finger. Like, (laughs) exactly. Like, hey, I'm going to the movies later. Do you want to go to? This is the way. Like, hey, I'm going to get some popcorn. You would like some? This is the way. Like, you can pretty much insert that anywhere and and have it mean anything. And and the armor definitely use it as, yeah, you're full of shit. Like, that's, (laughs) but this is the way. Sure. Like, you do you. It's, it's, it can mean like anything. Like, Oh, bless your little heart. Like there's so many ways like like people have worked in customer service know that there's like ways you can tell a, an unruly Karen to go F off without actually using those words and, you know, have a blessed day. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of one of the ways you can do that without actually saying it. And, and, and this is the way is kind of becoming the Mandalorian version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. But uh, again, I, I, I the dynamic of, of where this could go certainly too. I mean, Moff Gideon is still, they're throwing his name around. I mean, they didn't do it this episode, but so far I think they've thrown around his name way too much for him not to make another appearance. Yeah. By the time this is over now, uh, Rob, how many episodes do we have left? Was this a nine episode season? Ooh. Uh, I is that- think so. Eight. It's eight. eight. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, Jesus. So we're, we're, yeah, getting, we're halfway done. We're getting up against it. Wow. wow. That just seems quick. Now, the one thing that I will say is, and again, this is just a uh, food for thought. I don't think it hurts it. This, this episode. Wow. Like it ended and I went, wow, damn. Like I'm already done here. Yeah. It did seem short. You know, this this episode did feel like it could have, you know, benefited from maybe a little bit more time. But again, I who knows? It's is this the right amount of time? You know, should it have gotten more time? Like, what do you actually do here? But yeah, I just I was like, wow, this is this is done. Yeah. And and I think for me, when this was over, there was so much going on that made me really excited about next week that I think 
I think that was part of why it did seem so short. I mean, I'm looking at the runtime here at 26 minutes. It's it's on the shorter end of what we've gotten out of this series so far. Yeah, well, if you look at, like, I'm on the Disney Plus app right now, and you go through because they count the credits, you know, all the credits. Episode 1, 38 minutes. Episode 2, 45. Funny enough, Episode 3, which has very little to do with the Mandalorian, so to speak, is 59 minutes, the longest episode. And then this is 33 minutes. So it was, it was odd to follow up the longest episode with the shortest episode. Yeah. Particularly one that kind of is back to form for the action of the series. Can I just say that I love that the place, the Mandalorians decided to set up their little like retreat, their little enclave is pretty much like the Australia of star Wars where literally everything on the planet wants to kill them. They literally have to fight against a Mandalorian Mosasaur at the end. Like it's like, cause of course there would be, it's just like these right. people just look for hard places to live. Like they just can't, they can't have soft beds. Like these people look for like tough places to just prove themselves. They they really remind me of like the Spartans from Zack Snyder's 300. Like they're just, they're just badass people who do badass things and have these crazy expectations of, of what it means to be one of them. Um, and it's just for as much as I kind of think the the whole helmet thing is stupid, so much else about what they do, I think is just so compelling and interesting. And I want to see more of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly do. Again, I, I totally agree. I really do think that this was a return to form. It certainly got me excited for next week. Something that we talked about that has, has kind of been lacking, you know, all over. And it's, I I think it's funny and, you know, maybe this would be a completely separate episode so we can maybe just talk about this for a brief second here, but, you know, certainly with the release of Shazam fury of the gods, John Wick 4 has just come out. Creed 3, which whew, Jonathan Major seems to be in a little bit of trouble. That's going to be yeah. an interesting development there to see if, if this is true, if this is, you know, a, a false accusation. It certainly could, you know. Now, again, if this is true in the grand scheme of things, who cares? It certainly could shift the landscape of what the MCU was trying to do. Because if if they have to give him the boot. Are you changing plans? Do you recast? What do you do? And again, that's minuscule to the fact of if he committed this crime. But I find it interesting. You know, Shazam is a bomb. It is a box office bomb. Certainly, I think it has to do with the fact that who cares what happens in that movie because none of it's going to matter. It doesn't feel like an event film, but I find it, you know, one of the things that I talked about and Rob, you and I talked about this separately is the MCU and things, you know, like the Mandalorian when it first came out season three, like episode one and two, it wasn't that must see event. It didn't feel like that anymore. Certainly with quantum mania, it didn't feel like that. Uh, the last thing that I really felt like was an event from the MCU or, and you know, something like that was no way home. You had the return of, uh, of two, you know, Spider-Man and, 
you know, kind of a redemption story for Andrew Garfield, like we just talked about, you know, in Star Wars, you know, same thing in Spider-Man. But I find it funny that, you know, there seems to be almost a, a shift in the dynamic of what people are going to see at the box office. You know, John Wick four, I think was, was it 75? At 75, 73, maybe it was just 70 opening weekend at the box office, which is, is huge. And maybe that doesn't seem like in this day and age, like a really big thing, but when you put it into perspective in the last 40 years, it's only the ninth movie in 40 years. Think about how many movies have come out in 40 years. It's the ninth movie ever that has made more in its fourth entry. It has continually made more money in every entry that it's released. 73.5 million opening weekend. The largest R-rated opening since the very beginning of the pandemic. And I think it's all rightfully so, but I think it's interesting to see kind of what is starting to maybe take over the box office compared to what we're used to. Cause by, you know, all accounts, you know, what used to be, even when they weren't good for God's sakes, the DCU movies, you know, those things dominated the box office and that's not the case anymore. You know, an R rated John wick four, um, beat out Shazam's opening weekend, which is impressive, but also is maybe a very concerning thing for comic book properties. You know, I think there's a lot of things that work at the same, at the same time. I think the most popular characters that Marvel has have already had their standalone movies and have had their time to shine. Mm-hmm. So the characters that are getting movies right now are kind of second and third tier characters for the most part. Yep. Um, certainly Black Panther has grown a very loyal contingent of fans and, and has always been a popular character, not not at the popularity of a Spider-Man or, or a Captain America, but as, as a popular character. DC can't get its shit together. Let's just call it what it is. They just can't. Yeah. Star Wars hasn't released a movie in a while. And who knows when they're going to. It seems like every time we hear that they're going to, then you hear something different. So it seems like Disney Plus is kind of the home for them right now. And for better or for worse. So, yeah, in terms of predicting what the future is going to look like, I think you're still going to see sci-fi and fantasy and and adapted films from comic properties still do well. Will it ever reach the height of what we saw with an Endgame or even the 2012 Avengers film? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe what James Gunn is doing with DCU is going to just blow our socks off. Maybe the next Batman movie is going to make everybody buy 30 tickets to see it. Who knows? It's it's hard to predict what what the future is going to hold for entertainment. It feels like we're in we're in kind of a transition of, of generations of film where you looked at, you know, in the eighties, all the movies kind of looked like this, or a lot of the, you could define the the period of the eighties by like these kinds of films. Action and slasher. Exactly. And the nineties were these kinds of films and the two thousands kind of started becoming something different. 
you know, you can kind of do that with music very easily. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're on the precipice of whatever's going to be next. It, it feels that way. Yeah, no, certainly so. But again, that could be a whole other episode of where we think, you know, things are going to go. But let's close up on The Mandalorian and the newest episode that released. I, I think certainly we'll both have some positive, you know, scores to give. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to hit popcorn time where we review this episode. So, uh, Rob, I'll go first. To me, this is a return to form. We talked. We're not really going to. I can't really put a rating on last week's episode because I just it's there. I I almost don't know if I care enough to rate it. <laughs> so maybe that's bad, but I, I certainly don't hate it. But this was a return to form. This is a four bucket for me. I think there's a couple issues with it, but it certainly was nice to actually end an episode of the Mandalorian this season and go, all right. Yeah. Like, all right, get me to next week. Let's let's go. Yeah. I I think I like this a little bit more than you. This is four and a half buckets for me. Um, A lot of excitement, like we've mentioned, and I can't wait. I I think that it's, we're at a point now where I am going to really prioritize seeing this Wednesday night, as opposed to just kind of when I can, when I can make time for it. And that's really exciting because when the Mandalorian is good, it's better than just about anything else that that's out there, movies or TV. Just like, you know, Matt, you've said this a million times when Star Wars is good, there's nothing like it. There's literally nothing like it. And the Mandalorian represents the potential for the best of what Star Wars can be. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some of the best stories in Star Wars, I think the Mandalorian has has pieces of. And when it's really good, there's nothing like it. So that's got me really excited for the remaining four episodes for the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to me, again, there is absolutely nothing that feels as good as watching good Star Wars. So that will do it for a review of The Mandalorian. But before we leave again, let's take a minute, you know, listeners. Thank you so much for joining the show, continuing along with us. Uh, There's kind of some transitions here at, at the show where we switched hosts, certainly, you know, looking to, to do some other things that we talked about in the beginning of the year that will hopefully get on track for what we talked about after switching hosts and, and kind of doing some new things. But Rob, you know, even with a new host switch, you can still find us wherever, you know, you get your podcast. You can just type in Matt goes to the movies. But, you know, how can they follow us on social media? Go ahead and take that away before we say goodbye. Yeah. So new hosts, old hosts, it doesn't matter what host it is. The best way to make sure you stay on top of all of the comings and goings here at Matt Goes to the Movies is to make sure you are following the show on your favorite social media platforms. You can find the show on Facebook and make sure you join the official Facebook group, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, some video content over there, pretty much all the places you want to be. Uh, Matt Goes to the Movies is there. Uh, you can also email the show your thoughts, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us anything you like about Star Wars or any other episode. Uh, if you are new to the show, welcome. Certainly glad that you found us. 
And uh, make sure you check out all the uh, previous episodes going all the way back to the beginning of the show where Matt was just talking about Star Wars and just for for the love of this of this world that's been created that has brought so much joy to so many millions of people worldwide for so many years. Um, it's it's really a lot of fun to still be thinking about something that started in the in the 70s. Here we are in 2023 with we're still we're still talking about Star Wars and and other than Shakespeare, what else can you imagine that was written a long time ago that you don't see an end to it ever ever happening? I, I think Shakespeare and Star Wars, they're here forever. They're here forever, and we're going to continue to talk about them forever. So, for however long uh, we are here with you, uh, we will be bringing you great content up and down the channel here at Matt Goes to the Movies. Yeah, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us. Look forward to bringing you more content as we continue to roll along, and we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.